0: I think the modern world has got us pretty much entrained mentally on the physical, evidenced, measurable end of the pole. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote my book was to open up the awareness of, of, of people who may be seeking it, that there's so much more to us and there's so much more to life. And if we can come into a fullness of understanding of how we're designed, and the abilities that we have to operate in life, then life, the experience of life itself transforms.
1: Hello and welcome to It's A Journey podcast. How are you healing today? Your host, Stephanie Nadu welcomes guests from different parts of the globe with professional expertise in health and holistic wellness. Holistic means physical, emotional, social and spiritual well-being. So what do all of our guests have in common? It's their dedication to help us with our healing journey and personal development. Let's dive into this new episode with our special guest and explore the answers in order to continue our personal journey's exploration towards healing and self-love de Develd helps others understand and
2: master the art of meditation, transformative inner practice and healing through private coaching, energy sessions, courses, and tailored programs for individuals, schools, and organizations. She is also a popular speaker at networking forums and workshops, a published writer, and holds regular retweets in Asia and Australia. Dani is a Reiki master in the Ushri Reiki tradition and qualified meditation teacher through the Awareness Institute Australia. She is a member of the Meditation Association of Australia and the International Meditation Teachers Association, recognizing the standard of her teaching and program development. Dani's teaching is experiential. She draws from techniques and wisdom of numerous world traditions current research, and our own experience. Her focus is on enabling others to understand and work with the design and function of the mind-body energy system to engage in transformative inner practice for maximum performance, self-healing, and intuitive living. In this 16th episode, I will be talking to Dani about the mind, body, and spirit, and spirited Dani's latest book. Our topic today is Mind, Body and Spirit Connection on Living a Spirited Life. Hi Dani, thank you so much for uh, being my guest on my podcast today. I want to uh, wish you a a welcome, a warm welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so
0: much, Stephanie. It's lovely to see you. I was trying to think the last time I saw you here in Singapore, and I, I think we were meditating together at dawn at Fort Canning Park. Was That's that the right. last time? Yes, yeah? yes, absolutely. Yeah, a few months back. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm very happy to be here.
2: Thanks for asking me. Um, so um, we're going to um, talk first about um, yourself because I would like you to share your uh, journey about how you became a meditation and mindfulness teacher, ushri wiki okay. master teacher and spiritual mentor. Okay. Oh my goodness. Right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> um so I um
0: well I've always had a spiritual aspect in my life and when I was growing up you know I, I was uh, raised in a um in a beautiful uh, family um a family of creatives and also a Catholic family and so uh prayer and ritual and um uh, sort of, uh, I, I guess, an appreciation of the invisible realms, like angels and guides, and all of that kind of stuff, uh, was in me right from the start, um, and and I really loved it too. You know, as a little girl, I loved I love going to church, the community, and uh, and my mum's a big rosary uh, prayer, loves the rosary and Our Lady, and uh, so we used to pray the rosary at home and that sort of thing, um, and so. And then on the other hand as well, like, you know, I my family was very, very big on uh, good education for the kids, there's four of us, four children, and we all went on and did, um, you know, university degrees and then post-grad degrees and stuff. We're all pretty highly educated. And so I was sort of really also raised for um, a life of business. And um, and so I had these sort of two streams running in my life, you know, and uh, but there, there were some big questions I had that I didn't feel were being answered by the faith of my childhood and, uh, you know, so I, I was on a bit of a quest with some big questions from an early age, which really, which took me into lots of diff- lots of different reading to start with, and then as I became a bit older, a lot of experimentation in uh, the yogic traditions and um, more esoteric traditions as well, and uh, a lot of experimentation and. Uh, and learning about my uh, mind, body, spirit connection, mm-hmm. but but not really with a solid teacher, I'd have to say. I, I think like most of us, you know, I was sort of slashing my way through the spiritual jungle a little bit. Um, and at the same time, having a really stellar career, in, I, I, I studied finance and law for my uh, first degree. And then I went on and did, uh, you know, an arts degree in Italy and a number of other postgraduate studies, at Cambridge and so on, all around Finance, um, mainly finance and uh, capital markets, um, and then, I, like I've, I've talked about in my book that I've written, it there it, it, it became this sort of existential wobble, which I think a lot of us, a lot of us go through at some point in our lives, where my career was going really well, but I, I just really, uh, I didn't feel connected with what my true purpose was, mm-hmm. and and I was feeling more and more out of love with the corporate race, which I loved as well through my 20s and into my 30s. And so uh, I ended up taking a bit of a bungee jump. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I decided to leave the corporate world. And in fact, the exit plan from the corporate world ended up playing out beautifully, which was a product of spiritual practice. So I was Energetically trying to create an exit plan, mm-hmm. but at the same time, not compromise my lifestyle. So, I was living in London at the time. I bought a property in London. Um, I was used to a lovely income and I was also paying off a, bit of a mortgage in pounds sterling. <laughs> um, and so, I, I knew that I wanted to leave for some time, but I was just too afraid to because of the money. And, yeah. uh, but you know, having sort of stepped more into this draw that I was feeling into really bringing together my um, my external life, my inner life into one thing, um, that is to live and breathe and offer and teach spirituality, Um, the the opening came and I was offered a redundancy and uh, and that really kick-started some much more serious, more disciplined studies and also that's it was around that time I moved back from London and I found my first and still my beautiful mentor my first teacher now my mentor Louise Gilmore and she was the one that really you know got me into what's really going with on with meditation what is it really she she took me right back to the beginning I I arrived at her doorstep going I know what I'm doing I've been doing it for years but Um, She she soon made me realise I knew nothing and we started again from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, Louise was working for um, a fantastic um, college called the Awareness Institute in Australia, which sadly has since closed. It didn't survive COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there I went on to um, get a qualification in meditation teaching uh, under Louise as well. Um, and, uh, and also Louise is a practice as a shamanic practitioner, so she started really introducing me into some of that beautiful shamanic work mm-hmm. um, of altering states of consciousness, doing visioning, tapping into psychic awareness and so on. Um, and that, so that's kind of the story, like yeah. kind of parallel tracks in my life, and then this merging and then a flip, really. And uh, the people that I speak to that are, have been on a spiritual journey, it's quite archetypal that, you know, there's this
3: mm-hmm.
0: moment where they go, there's, there's more to this. Um, they might not know where they're going to, like me, but they mm-hmm. just making that choice tends to supercharge then the next iteration of yourself to come through. So that was it. And then I had some babies in Australia who are now massive teenagers, both of them taller than me, that eat the most incredible amount of bread every day. <laughs> um, and they're, they're doing really well. But eight years ago, my husband's work moved us to Singapore mm-hmm. and, um, and I came along as the trailing spouse. So uh, I was holding informal groups and teaching in Australia, but nothing, I didn't have a meditation business or anything like that. Um, but I, but I, I I, was definitely operating within that zone um, and I was filling in for my teacher, teaching some of her classes as well, which was a great privilege. Um, and uh, my plan really wasn't to work when I got to Singapore. You know, I wanted to do more study, um, you know, be an expat wife, have a bit of a rest. I was coming off the back of the first sort of six years of raising the kids, which, as all mothers know, is really intense, and um, I I didn't really want to commit to anything very much, but that didn't last very long. I um there's only so many mahjong games you can do and expat ladies' lunches you can do, <laughs> you start sort of striving for some purpose. And so I, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it wasn't enough for me. So I um, I put in an application. I got an LOC done in like mega time, which again was an, an application of energy work and it came through mm-hmm. and approved. And then I just took off from there. I, I think I filled a bit of a gap eight years ago in Singapore. You know, there was there was obviously lots of meditation going on, but it either belonged to, you know, much more disciplined kind of Buddhist sort of arena, um, or there there were, and there still are sort of these kind of private communities where Mm -hmm. it's quite a lot of money to get in, and it's sort of, and you stay with them. But there wasn't anything in the middle that really spliced the neuroscience with the more traditional practices. And that's the way that I was taught and that's what I like, that's what I like to know. So that's what I started to offer and and away it went. And then I met my Reiki master. She was coming to my women's circles and, uh, and she recognised uh, a healer archetype in me which I hadn't really connected with aside from the shamanic work. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to attune you in Reiki. I said, cool, let's do it. And then, oh, my goodness, I took to Reiki very readily um, and then I met my other teacher, Jacqueline, my first teacher, Jane Tumbrey she's back in Australia, fabulous teacher. And then I met Jacqueline New at Basic Essence here, who's very well-known and a uh, Tibetan medicine woman. And uh, she took me through to master level and uh, master teacher level. So now I teach it and attune, and attune people in the energy arts as well. So, and it just keeps evolving, you know, mm. when you're on that spiritual path, which I know you know as well, you know. So, as I got more into teaching meditation and more into the healing work, I realized that my psychic abilities were getting stronger and sharper.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so the Reiki course that I wrote that I've been teaching for now like sort of seven, six, seven years, is a combination of intuition and Reiki. There's a correlation between the two of them which I observed
3: mm. and
0: now in the last few years that's evolved for me also into psychic mediumship so it just keeps going and going and the more the more you explore and the more curious and playful you yeah. are the more beautiful elements of spirituality come into your life um, so that's the story
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah so nice so nice I I want to go back to something you said that at the very beginning of the journey is the, um, uh, like the connection between spirit, body and mind. Okay. And why do you think it's important to, um, connect these three elements? And if you can also tell me a bit about the body energy, because that's something that comes back to into your book, which we'll talk about uh, your book later. But, uh, yes, I'm interested to uh, learn more. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 way I see it, the frame that I
0: uh, like to view it, which makes the most sense to me, and and also how I experience myself as well, um, is through the koshas. So and the, and, what, and the, this is from yogic philosophy. And the koshas are that our that our consciousness um, is a, a multi-dimensional. Uh, a set of aspects within our individual consciousness that ranges from physical to mental to emotional to energetic and to spiritual. Now they're, they're called different things depending on what you're reading. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I feel that uh, it's so important that we understand the body, mind, feeling, spiritual connection is because it is actually all one thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And part of what I think is the sort of... Uh, the, the illness of the modern age is that we separate everything out. So we, we're, we're separated within ourselves. Our view of ourselves is separated. Our view of ourselves and our life, we view that as separate. Um, but however, you know, in, in nearly every spiritual tradition which i studied, and I've studied a lot, um, mm. all of them in some way come back to the same principle of unity consciousness, All of these aspects of one self-organising system within us. Um, What we're, our our inner landscape and our experience reality are also one self-organising system. And so to come to really understand um, our true innate spiritual design, which is the tagline for my book, and, and to also understand how we're designed to operate in life, those connections, what, what we might explore as connections to begin with, eventually lead to an understanding that it's, it is all one thing, mm. including our relational fields. It's all one thing. So we're all refractions of consciousness. Mm. And uh, the way that I explain it to my, uh, to my groups is that it's like we're in a, um, a multiplayer virtual reality game. So we've got our, all our avatars in here <laughs> and we're playing out all our little dramas and stuff, but really when you pull it right back with a spiritual lens, it's just one big virtual reality multiplayer game. And uh, so you could argue that you and I, are, you know, you're having a conversation with me, but it's really a conversation with an aspect of you
2: mm, mm.
0: and vice versa.
2: Yeah. I, I found it interesting that you said that we separate uh, things. Yeah. Because I think um we tend to put things into box. You you know, like even people. Oh, these these people belong to one box and this and that. Maybe I don't know, maybe that's that's what happened. And um Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I, I think you know, to an extent to operate on the ground, you kind
0: of need to. Like, you know, you need to have an on and off switch, you know, mm-hmm. for your moral bearings, you need to have some kind of a gauge, you know, of what you think is good behaviour and what you think is not so good behaviour. Now all of that is subjective. We all have yeah. a different gauge. But to operate in life, you you do, you do need to do that a little bit, you know, to assess what's right and what's in line with you and what's aligned with you and so mm. on. Um, but I, I think that's actually just sort of like a little a program that you have to upload to operate well. Mm. And I think we get lost in that. Yeah. Because in, inherent in separation is judgement.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and, I was
0: thinking same thing. yes. So rather than assessment, mm-hmm. it becomes judgment. So that person is wrong, I'm right. And that's where all the conflict starts internally mm-hmm. um, and also within our lives as well. And so, I, you know, the dazzling thing about the human being is that we we actually operate in both realities. You know, we are spirit and matter at the mm-hmm. same time. We are wave. And particle at the same time. You know, we have a physicality and we have an invisible aspect of ourselves, which are our thoughts and feelings and our, and the, and the bioenergy, which you referred to before, and finer energy of our spirit. You know, we occupy both ends of that pole.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, so, yet, um, I think the modern world has got us pretty much entrained mentally on the physical, evidenced, measurable, end of the poll. And uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote my book was to open up the awareness of of people who may be seeking it that there's so much more to us and there's so much more to life. Mm. And if we can come into a fullness of understanding of how we're designed and the abilities that we have to operate in life, then life the experience of life itself transforms in lots
3: of ways.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a, a huge amount of your work is related to meditation. And uh, my spiritual uh, journey started with my meditation. So I'm always super excited to talk about meditation. Yeah, me too, um, yeah.
3: That's how we <laughs> connect it too, isn't it? Yes,
2: true, true. yes absolutely. Yeah. So, um, tell us what you know about meditation and what you observe amongst your, your clients after you, uh, included meditation in, in their daily life. Okay,
0: so I—I I mean, you'd sort of expect to hear this from a meditation teacher, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I—I I really see meditation as equal in measure and importance as the other pillars of our well-being. You know, so we we talk about our physical well-being, we talk about exercise and diet. You know, we talk about our mental well-being, and and we talk about uh, you know, sort of mindfulness and. Um, uh, you know, the content and the company we keep, and so on. Um, um, but, you know, we, we talk less about our energetic and our spiritual well being. And, uh, and meditation is staple for that. And for the very reasons we were talking about before, because, you know, to move from dualistic consciousness, from that separating everything out, and to be able to expand our awareness up our pole into oneness, it's not ditching duality, it's just getting a broader, uh, clearer frame on who and what we are. We need to be able to master both our our mental activity so we can perceive these other aspects of self and also through meditation we master our energy body Mm. and predominantly through the breath. And uh, so we need to get our game on a little bit and that requires some cultivation but all of this neuroscience and all of the empirical evidence shows us that if we if we meditate regularly some really fundamental changes start to take place in our physiology our immune function um, our blood pressure our cardio rhythm regulation um, but but more so within our mental field as well like we We start to create through regular meditation this sort of, you know, a kind of a space in our psyches between the interface with life and our seat of awareness. We start to realise, we disentangle from the drama of life and we start to witness it. And that obviously has massive impact on all our reactive type of, uh, you know, stress hormones and that sort of thing. Um, But what it also does is that, it then enables us to engage with life in a different way because we've got that pause point. So we can, yeah. we engage with discernment and choice and that's mm-hmm. basically what mindfulness is.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, uh, we, and, and from that becomes much more lifeward, uh, altruistic, uh, you know, type experiences. Gratitude becomes very natural, awe and wonder becomes very natural. Um, t- beautiful encounters become very natural. And, but that's not even the end game. You know, I think the further along we meditate and the deeper we can get into an appreciation and an operational understanding of our spiritual aspect, then we can really start to see that connection between our inner and our outer. We start to see synchronicities, we start to see how information is patterned in our lives um and uh, and then from there what we can actually start emanating different patterns and create change we start moving from a more expansive way to live to a cre- to creative living and so i think the current narrative um i think is still really um positioning meditation as the end game You've got to learn to meditate, you know, it's all, and it's almost got an urgency to it, like it's almost a competitive edge to it, you know, crazy. Um, but I, I don't see it as the end game. I actually see it as the essential enabler. Yeah, the
3: foundation.
0: And- yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, not the destination. But but also what I do find when I um, take on new clients or new students come into my classes is mm-hmm. the first thing I address, which I do in the book as well, is the, what the misconceptions around meditation are. Mm. So so a lot of people balk at it because they think it's like sitting in a cave in the Himalayas, cross-legged, you know, for years. It's, and it's not that at all. There are mm. thousands of different ways to meditate. And there are some very common basic principles within all of it, um, and also it, for, to really yield the benefits, it's got to be a daily thing, like eating breakfast. Mm, yeah. we eat breakfast. We eat a good breakfast. We go for a run. We look after that side of the pole, and we need to also look after the energetic and spiritual side of the pole as well with with meditation. Mm.
2: I I am um, doing this conversation even now. I found that, and this is exactly what happened when I was reading uh, your book. Is that it, there is a lot of reflection when you when you um, talk and and when I read your book, there is a, a lot of uh, reflection. And when I was reading um, on in your book, one of the questions that I was um, thinking because we were talking about like you know being in mindfulness and being in the in the moment is yeah. as as we get older, time goes faster and faster, and. Yeah. I was wondering, is it because we focus less on the present moment with, you know, like our daily life, many activities where maybe as a child, we don't, we don't, we focus more on the present. And so this is something that came in and I was like, okay, I have to ask, I have to check. Yeah,
0: I love it. That's such a great question. So there are a number of different theories on why time is perceived,
2: yeah, absolutely.
3: Mind
0: yes. is perceived mm-hmm. to speed up. So some of the theories that I've heard is it's because our metabolism is slowing down, which is a bit grim, like we're slowing down, so therefore relative to the passage of time, time seems faster. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the theory of, of course, like you have had the experience of living, I know you're in, in Paris now, and but you're coming back to the equator, but living on the equator um, you don't have any uh, sort of seasons to mark the passage of time. Mm. So it, it, our perception is affected by that. and and also, I think everybody can attest to this feeling of covid, you know where we were we were locked down and we were denied our human rituals of celebrating birthdays, mm. celebrating friendships, celebrating anniversaries, and so on. and and I think nearly everyone, even though the lockdown periods felt very long, at the same time they felt very constant. so, our perception of time was warped, let's say. Mm. So people, for me, it just went through like in a blink. And I've also, interestingly, I find it very difficult to recall a lot of specific details about that chunk of COVID too, which is interesting. However, having said all of that, um, I do think it comes back to exactly what you talked about and that is degree of presence. Mm. So um, I, I'm working I, I have a, a a magical community that I work with called Shapeshifting, and we're in the middle of the Shapeshift now, which is it's a process of applying esoteric practices and spiritual practices to manifest a specific goal.
3: Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah, I, I do
0: it with them. And so my goal for mm-hmm. this year is to complete. Um, an impossible amount of projects and bits and bobs before the closeout of the year so I've initiated lots of things but then I've been like taken off to do talks and then of course the book came out and, and all that sort of thing and I hate things half done and so I made my goal to complete all the things that I initiated and you declare your goal to the group. So it's a group of about 90 people around the world, right? So I declared my goal. And once you declare it, it's out there. And I remember thinking when I was writing it out in our our membership group, I was going, man, I think I've really bitten off more than I can chew. However, the the process, and there's all these journaling prompts, and we do spellcasting, we do all sorts of beautiful stuff, shamanic journey, and all of the insights that have come through for me have been about It's not about the quantity of time that I'm spending on it. It's the degree of presence. Mm. So, And because what we learn with meditation is that your presence Mm -hmm. is a form of natural energy. It's a force. So people often talk about presence as being a state, like Mm. I'm in a state of presence. But what I've learned, and particularly through the energy arts as well, it's way more than that. It's actually an organizing force. And when you uh, when you have cultivated through meditation your ability to draw into present awareness, um, and that needs to be cultivated. But eventually, if you do it every day and you hone the skill, you're able to do it at will.
3: Mm. And
0: so I might have only. I'm writing two books at the moment, so I'm writing another, a non-fiction, which is, all, which is to follow up the first one, which is all for space holders, so the art of holding space, and I'm writing a fiction novel as well mm-hmm. along with all the other stuff that I'm doing. So I will come down and I've learned through my journeying and, yeah. and the thing is I'll only have an hour on the weekend Mm-hmm. And I'll be very, very clear on what I'm going to set my mind to, the task I'll set my mind to. I will meditate and draw all of my being into the present awareness to be with that task, and I'm three times more efficient. Wow, that's it's awesome. About the de- it's about the degree. Mm. You bend time through the degree of presence. Mm.
2: That's, that's uh, really amazing. I love this answer. Yeah. Um, Um, so we, are going to focus, um, the next question to your, um, to your book, but, and something that came back during this conversation is yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, is a change. So, um, in, in your book, you wrote transformation is rigorous, but without doubt it is the best dance of life. So does it mean that we should constantly seek a change, transformation and growth, um, Instead of you know being uh, still and fixed in life, but isn't it going to be exhausting for us because we are creature of like you know we we like when it's like uh, comfort and habits and things like that.
0: So yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I I I think it's everyone's choice. Mm. You know, so you know that there are some people that come to me for healing, but they just don't want to change the things that are causing the problems. That's okay. You know, I don't. I don't. It's their choice. I think that's our superpower—is our free will. And so there are some people who, who just go, no, I just want to better the devil I know. You know, I'm not very well. Uh, I don't have a lot of vitality, but uh, I, I'm comfortable in that. That's what I know, and that's totally fine. Mm. So they might come in for Reiki just to have a bit of a feel-good session, like a massage. Um, but then they'll they'll keep coming back every month because they're not creating a, a wholesale shift in their being. Um, but but then the people who I tend to work with mm-hmm. are people who want it. You know, so they're people who they come in with lots of questions that just aren't being answered by their current life and current relationships. Or they have a sense that um, there's something missing in their life. You know, whether whether that whether they describe that as its purpose
3: mm-hmm.
0: or um they don't feel they really know themselves or so they feel a disconnect within themselves, like that mm. chopping up.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but my my demographic tend to be people who want to get in the ring and experiment and and shift the needle of their lives. So, mm. um, you know, but, they're, but that's, that's my demographic. They're the people who tend to be attracted to my offerings uh, yeah. because I'm like that. Mm. Um, yes, but yes, yes, yes. I, I am like that, like yeah, yeah like to, you know, what's the point? Like it's not a dress rehearsal, right? I reckon we just get into it, and and I and I love, you know, uh, I was saying to my, I've started strength training, which is killing me, um, but you know, through menopause and stuff, I've got to get the the joints soiled, and I and I want to stay nice and strong and healthy. And I used to run, but
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and ride my bike. Anyway, so I'm with this strength trainer now, and it's really taking me to new horizons. Like she's got me trying to do chin ups and things i've never done in my life you know and uh, but slowly but slowly i i am feeling strength coming into my body and mm. i'm feeling my ability to move and to load bear in ways that i just did not think i was able to do and the exhilaration for i'm giving a physical example yeah. of moving into uncharted territory and watching my postmenopausal body respond well um, is gold, you know. And so I sort of feel the same way with spiritual exploration as well. Like, you know, for me, as I write about in the book, and I'm, I talk a lot about uh, with my um, content and blog posts and stuff, is is the exploration of mediumship very unexpected for me? Mm-hmm. Started sort of coming through in my healing sessions, but this is a whole new world for me. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's redefining my understanding of, of life and consciousness, and uh, um, in 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 very life ways, you know, mm. like this idea that we don't actually get snuffed out mm. at the end of this life, you know. And I've had enough evidence of it now, like as I have uh, spirit communication well every week with my with my tutor in a group of meetings that every every day that I'm in healing sessions there'll be spirit communication. It's super specific. There's absolutely no way I could know or make up these beautiful messages from loved ones that are showing that they're participating in their loved ones' life here. They know what's going on they're loving them they're guiding them. So, again, it's this, I don't think there's an end to it.
3: Mm. I,
0: I just, I don't think there's an end. I, I think consciousness is infinite. There are just a gazillion different refractions and dimensions within consciousness, and we're designed to play in it if we want to. Mm. But, but getting back to that quote about transformation that is rigorous and so on. Oh, can you hear my cat? She's going crazy. <laughs> She's, <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> oh, you can't hear it. Okay. Um, My black cat Pluto. Um, What I'm talking about in terms of being rigorous, like Mm. I didn't say hard, and I didn't say awful. I choose. I chose the word rigorous really intentionally, um, because for for a couple of reasons. I I really arch at the love and light, moonbeams, unicorn kind of uh, Instagram narrative around spiritual practice. Uh, I just we are shadow and light, and You've got to get as murky as light. You know, my, my teacher used to say that the pendulum's got to swing one way in equal measure for it to swing the other. You know, it's an expansion exercise. So this whole kind of love and light thing, it's, so I, I put rigorous because it's work. You've got to work at it. You know, you do have to meditate every day, just like getting fit. You know, you do have to have a curiosity, a hunger, to understand the depth and the breadth of yourself and and really, and you've got to have a lot of questions like why am I here Mm. and why the family of origin that I was given and what is my purpose and these are the kind of, this is the kind of personality that comes to my offerings. Mm. But the other thing I think that's part of the spiritual transformative game is really reframing your relationship with discomfort.
3: Mm.
0: So very often, you know, we'll go, oh, this feels a bit uncomfortable, this isn't good, so I'm going to pull back. But transmuting limited beliefs and fears that you're buying into is uncomfortable work, (laughs) you know, mainly because you've got to take full responsibility for yourself and you can't just palm it off to stuff outside of you, you know. Um, And so I guess that's the other reason why I chose the word rigorous in that passage uh it's rigorous you know you you, you've got to be honest with yourself and determined Mm. that doesn't mean it's not amazing though like it's amazing
2: yeah and this is exactly the message that I get from you is that you are living like through that an amazing life it's like it's like it sounds counterintuitive like oh if I do a lot of effort and things like that how can we be good you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When you know, if I relax and don't mind, you know, the goodness should be there. But it's it's the opposite. In the well, uh, I, yeah, no. I mean, tell me yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I, I get it. I think,
0: like, to your first point, you know, that that's a common thing I come I come up uh, clients come with me is that is my motivation. Of wanting to live a liberated, well, abundant, fulfilled life with the expression of love in it, is that selfish? Mm-hmm. And is that a selfish motivation to engage in spiritual practice? Which I think is a fantastic question.
3: Mm.
0: And uh, I, I often will refer. Now I'm not. I'm going to misquote this, okay? But it's definitely it's a spang from um, from the Buddha,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and his, and I think it was one of his students, I'm going to have to look this up because I quote this all the time and I'm never really sure if I'm saying it properly, but the sense of it is true, that it doesn't really matter what your motivation is to get started on the way, because the way will bring you to the way.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. So the big step is just to get started. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Absolutely. The, and then your system, your spirit within your system, will naturally respond and then it will direct you to your dharma. You know, it will direct you. So yeah, the, yeah. and this is you actually agree with that?
2: oh, absolutely. This is actually for us. It's even the scariest part. That's very beginning. This is like where we 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 sometimes we just stop we don't do it just because at the, that very beginning that path yeah that. that very
0: beginning and also I think some people really balk at um, this feeling that if they loosen their entanglement and attachment to the physical evidence um, material aspect of their life they will lose control mm and mm, and uh, yeah. and and their identity and the story of their identity that they've built up will unravel. Yeah, and um, to an extent, that's true, but it's mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily messy. Mm-hmm. because what also happens along that transformative journey of engaging in the spiritual aspect is a whole stack of other spiritual senses boot up Mm -hmm. and so intuition your psychic ability um, your ability to navigate uh, with these senses comes into play and so you become less dependent on your mundane senses of what you can hear and what you can see and um, what kind of what you're sensing is that person truthful or not and you become Absolutely, because they're they're very limited in their perception. They're limited in range and they're limited in uh, width. Mm. Whereas mm. The psychic senses patch you into the hologram, and so you can perceive movement within your field far outside the bound the horizon of your mundane senses. You get much clearer. Um, prompting on what action to take or when to be still Mm. or whether this person is aligned with your path or whether this person is not, your creativity that operates within that aspect of you just unleashes. Um, And so you are far more enabled to live in intuitive flow It Mm. and we're designed for it. But for a lot of people who've never done that, they kind of hold on to the shore, you know, because they're sort of like, no, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. So there is an element of trust. Yeah. Um, but, but I, that, that's kind of where I think my offering's positioned is to sort of take people and go, okay, let go. I'm going to teach you some tools. There's a whole big community of people here mm. that have all done it and we're all still doing it. Off you go and swim mm. or fly or whatever analogy you're using. So that's kind of how I see my, what
2: my job is.
3: Mm, okay. Which I love Well, so
2: I'm gonna go back to um the the, the question about intuition. First okay. um first let me um ask you about um about your book. So um okay. so when I read the book and I I, I have to be super honest, is, yes, here. Um, <laughs> although I had the Kingdom version <laughs> because I travel a lot. So it was super um good. <laughs> um, uh, but I miss I miss having the paper, the feeling of the yeah. paper highlighted. But anyway, I get it. Um, I I definitely understood that, and very quickly that okay, this is I I was like stepping into like a next level into my life because I had to reflect a lot. There was like a lot of uh, thoughts and and even like you know um, like a mirror, like asking myself questions. And yeah, yeah, but that's that. good. So yeah. for the for the listeners who haven't read your book yet. And yep. we we'll do very soon. What are the principles of living a, a spirited life?
0: So I so first of all, I'm, I'm super happy to hear that that um, that reading the book uh, created a reflective mm. dynamic within your mind, how you're thinking about your spiritual path, um, thinking about your own intuition, all that sort of thing. Because that, that's kind of the purpose of it, you know. It's uh, it's really just um, dropping alternative pebbles into the pond you know to create Mm. some ripples to create some movement and particularly to initiate an inquiry Mm. so you know because once you ask questions then you move so so yay to that and and even if there was some of it where you're like oh I don't know what that is or what, it doesn't matter you know it's it's created questioning so that's fantastic yeah um so I have structured the book in three really key areas very intentionally and that so the first part of the book is called the spirit self you know and the, this is where I talk about really the uh, the sort of I start with the physiology and particularly the brain and the heart and the gut and how the whole body, but particularly these three intelligence centres are actually bridges into the invisible part of the self, you know, by the way they operate, by the energy they emanate, by how they respond to um different stimuli, I like meditation and so on. So there's a bit of science in there as well, which yeah. I love.
2: And me too. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah. I like that. You know, that's that's my sort of like logical brain needing a bone to chew on, you know. So so the spirit self, I talk about that and we talk a little bit as well into the the so the visible you and the invisible you. And we get into the chakra system and it's a very basic um explanation of the chakra system but for me it was enough you know it was that understanding in the book was enough for me to engage to start to really feel into my energy body and not only that if I had an inquiry or I had a situation in my life that I was looking to expand on or change I would work with the correspondent chakra to do that mm. to to effect to great effect so so the visible, invisible view that's in the first part of the book. And then the second part of the book, so that spirit self and then spirit senses. This is where we get right into intuition and um, how we've all got it and uh, and some of us have flashes of it, you know, like you, all of us have had these experiences, you know, where you think of a friend and then you hear from them, even if you haven't for years or they, they pop up in your feed or you may have a dream that stays with you and it has a sort of, Unsettling effect, and then something unsettling happens in your life. We've all had it because we are all intuitive. However, and intuitive dialogue is going on all the time, but if we're super dissipated with the outside world and judging all the parts of us and it, we miss it. Mm. So psychic information needs some interior space to be perceived, it's more subtle. Um, it's lighter, it needs a lighter resonance. And uh, I've only just come before this call from my psychic development circle. I, I do this, I teach this on Zoom and um, in person here in Singapore each fortnight. And I find it delightful because there, there are people that come in that, you know, obviously they're curious, but they've never done any anything psychic. And it's just such a delight to watch them with the right instruction, with the right breathwork, Accurately read a complete stranger in the room, and um, it's it's just so much fun because it's in our design. But it's a shift in consciousness that me, you need to generate. Much easier generated if you've got an established meditation practice. So, mm. so I talk about intuition in that part of it, and the and and what we just talked about before how these tend to boot in the further into spiritual inquiry you go. And then the third part of the um, book is spirit skills. So these are different meditations, different mudras, different practices that are very, very useful in flipping your paradigm from the material life is happening to me Mm. to the spiritual life is happening for me. And not only that, it's issuing from me. Mm. So to work with life creatively like that, you need to be able to perceive yourself and life like that first. We can only experience what we perceive. And so a lot of the spirit skills section is in ways to circuit break the old patterned behaviour that's based in fear or beliefs or um, story, you know, yep. stories that we tell about ourselves and our lives and flipping it into mainlining what's going on, being present uh, and seeing why we generate these experiences and mm. working with that intelligence. Yeah. So that's spirit skills. So, so, I mean, the list of those kind of tools is limitless, but I, I've just listed as much as I could within the word count, the stuff that works for me. Mm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I- and And you mentioned like the because this morning, um I was uh, in the car with my mom, and I was talking about the um the podcast. Um, yeah. and we talked about um, intuition versus um the psychic skills. Um so and you are saying, because like, of course, we I mean we were not exactly on the same page, but now I, I want I feel that okay, I have to bring back the answer to her. So you are saying that, okay, intuition. Yes, I think it's like okay. Some we are we have this insight, but even the psychic skills we do also have uh, yep. this insight, and we just need to develop them and to work yep. on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So,
0: I so the way that. that I so the intuition again, because we're talking about the human being as being the pole, right of the of the incarnate and the disincarnate, of the physical and the invisible, and that sort of thing. Our intuitive senses are also on a pole. So mm. there is innate intuition that's within the body. And yeah. this is referred to by a psychologist as interoception. So I share some stories in there. One story where I was working in New York in my corporate days and I was being stalked. And the stalker was a good Manhattan. Yeah, I remember. Yes. So so mm. I, I was I was brave with it. But mm. even without seeing this person who was following me a full Manhattan block, Mm. but between us, I knew I my body went danger. Mm. And and I think we've all had that, you Mm. know, in some way. You know, and pregnant women will always tell you that. They maybe with their subsequent babies that they just absolutely knew they were pregnant, or they had conceived weeks and weeks before the the test will reveal it. You know, so mm. our body has, and also with diet too. Like our body is, it's got an it's intelligence, so it signals to our awareness uh, what it's lacking, whether we need to hydrate or, or what foods you know, and uh, sometimes we'll be drawn to foods that contain high levels of iron now intellectually we didn't know that but for some reason we're craving eggs you know so the body's super intelligent mm. and the whole world of kinesiology it mm. evidences that beautifully you know the weak or strong responses in kinesiology so that's interoception and it, it is a type of intuition you know um and probably a little bit more perceivable not to everyone but to most because it's felt in the body but if we're to look at our intuition as running along that pole to the invisible, then you could say that up the other end of that pole is this: is other psychic senses, mm. or, or the clairs, you know, clair, uh empathy, clair conscience, clair um, buoyance, and uh, clair sentience. You know, and these are these are senses within our energy body that are able to perceive information and energy patterning far wider than our mundane senses can, and we all have them. It doesn't make any sense at all when you look at the, uh, the design patterning of nature that we would be Born with a visible and invisible aspect, which we can now measure. Like we can measure thought fields outside the head. We can measure heart fields outside the head, outside the chest. You know, we, we know that we have, we can photograph auras. We know that we're not just contained in the skin. Why would we be born just with senses
3: mm-hmm. that
0: allow us to engage just with the physical? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, we're not in cultures and families anymore that teach us not all of us, some of us are, that teach us how to connect in with those more subtle senses. And we are in all of us are in sensory overload. I mean Mm -hmm. we we absorb more data in a day now than a middle-aged uh, that a that a man in the um, in the Middle Ages absorbed in a year.
3: Mm, yeah,
0: it's <laughs> constant, and that keeps our awareness entrained on uh, on the mundane and mm. uh, plus all the sensory stuff like our soundscapes are are really full now of man-made sounds. We've got disconnection with nature, which is one of the ways to to uh, cultivate your more psychic skills. Um, there are all of these factors playing against us basically.
3: Mm.
0: Um, so we, we, it's not natural to us anymore to feel into what our psychic senses are telling us um, and we're relearning it. You know, I always say that in my groups is that I'm not teaching you anything new, I'm just helping you remember, you know, yeah. and, and I and people feel that too. They feel that it's a remembering, like, mm. Perhaps back to what they sensed as a child, like you used that example before. Mm. You can get lost in a tree and you're sensing things that you can't quite explain, you know. Um, Mm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, Before I I jump to to the last question, I want to add one more thing because we are talking about your book. Um, do you mind telling us a little bit about your podcast also because I know you have um, your podcast and I want to I want to drop that uh, during the conversation oh yes
0: please so so the podcast is called the modern crone as you know because I know you listen to it Um, and it really was a bit of just a COVID like I wanted to do something fun, <laughs> and uh, as obviously, it, it might be hard to tell, but I love talking with people. Um, I love having conversations about this stuff, uh, and also I, I felt very disconnected with some of the my deeper spiritual community, particularly my shamanic teachers um, in Peru and uh, and in Northern America and around the place, and. Uh, um, and also some of my friends that uh, have been exploring the energy arts for a long, long time, like me. And just, so, my, my brilliant idea was that I would—I um, just create a podcast and just talk to all the people in my life who I dig mm-hmm. and who I think are fantastic, and get them to share their wisdom. So, I, so we're now—we're now releasing the third season. Um, but the first season was the 21st century shaman and. Uh, I just contacted all of the shamanic practitioners that I really respect and that I've learned a lot from. They were all very happy to talk because they, as well, were isolated. Um, and uh, I, that was unexpectedly mega popular. And I mm. thought, oh, okay, I'll do, I'll do another one. And so I thought, okay, season two. What's another aspect of my spirited life that I that may, maybe? be inspiring and I thought well obviously energy healing and the energy out so I contacted all the people that I know that are, 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 are good seasoned highly regarded healers and all and I tried to select people from all different modalities um and spoke to them and that went nuts as well and so uh so this third season that I'm releasing now is all about mediumship it's called afterlife and uh <laughs> And I'm speaking with mainly Western mediums and some of, well, obviously my tutor I've been with for a couple of years, but, um, and and another lady, I haven't released her yet, Kerry Aldericho, who's an amazing medium. She's in my development group. She comes out in a few weeks. But the other medium, Western mediums, are people who I've relatively recently met at the Arthur Finlay College in June this year where mm-hmm. I went to... Study the psychic arts and mediumship with different tutors to try and really hone my skill um, and uh, I met some amazing people there so every person I met who I really loved by the end of that week I was going can I interview with my podcast I'm like yes <laughs> um, and then uh, there were a couple of people here that I knew
3: mm-hmm. to
0: give more of an eastern view on channeling and uh, spirit guides in the afterlife one is uh, Noel Boyd who's a Paranormal researcher investigator. Um, and we during COVID were planning to do spooky tours together of the haunted places in um, in Singapore, Singapore via, yeah. via Jane I's uh, Jane Singapore tours. But yes, I, I ended up traveling. Yeah, we so Jane and I did some spooky tours. Um where we did do spirit contact as well with the group, which was really fun. Uh, yeah. Not only did it with Jane where it was more paranormal investigation, so slightly different to what I do, but I had a great chat with Noel and then another beautiful um, spiritual practitioner and healer, Adrian Bay, here. So I wanted to um, try and get one of the... Chinese Hokkien mediums that work in the temples on but I did get a contact but it proved very difficult you know Mm. I needed an interpreter and it was quite difficult to get it arranged Mm. but I hope to go back to him and get him on in another series yeah so that's the podcast and so it was a it was a boredom buster for me and it's turned into i think we're we're nearing 5000 downloads in a short amount of time that wow, it's that? been on air and yeah and it's getting
2: really good ratings and stuff so yeah it's still, it's fun too it's fun for me
3: Mm. Yeah,
2: and and I will put the link in the on YouTube because I put all the Thank links, you. so it would be there for people you Thank know, you. and want to also um, join and listen. Yes, that would be there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm running a little thing as well this season. I'm just trying to get people to rate and review because if there's reviews on Apple Podcast, it helps other people find it. Absolutely. And mm. so we're going to pick five lucky reviewers, and they'll all get um, a signed copy of my book sent to them. So rate and review, everyone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds great. Um, All right. Our last question, and Mm -hmm. I I love that question. I would like you um, to share about your daily practice. Uh, Okay. I get asked this a lot, you know,
0: and uh, which I very happily answer. So um, I start every day my time for my practice is always early in the morning I've always been an early riser I know not everybody is but I am and I also find that um, at the end of a super busy day of teaching and um, doing healing sessions and stuff I flake so if I try and meditate at night and I'm tired I just get knocked down and I have a good sleep but I'm much more interested in moving my consciousness into different states
3: mm-hmm. and
0: altering my consciousness through different ways and observing how I do that and and uh, and deepening my mastery of that. So early morning um, i I do have a sacred space in my bedroom if it's raining i'll I'll light my candles and I'll meditate there at my altar. um but if it's a beautiful day, um I, particularly love the energy of the dawn. So in the shamanic in shamanic traditions, also in Western magical traditions, these, these liminal times and spaces are very powerful times to enter into altered states of consciousness. So what I mean by that is what I tend to do is drive to the beach. So that's a liminal zone where the sea meets the land um, and I'm on the beach just before dawn. Mm-hmm. And I'm entering into some form of practice now. The so two double liminals, and uh, of course, then if you've got some kind of eleven eleven 11 date or something like that, I try and line that up too. But I do that every day, I'm pretty much on the beach every day at dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I ride there. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, from where I live near Tanglin. It's a sort of like a thirty k ride there and back. And I'm studying uh, at the Centre for Applied Jungian Studies, so I catch my Jungian lectures on the way there, <laughs> and then I sit and meditate, and depending on how much time I've got, and then I ride back. Um, the practices vary. There's always breath work, always. Like and and I like classical pranayama and. Mm-hmm. Uh, And for me, I regard breath work as sort of like a bit like the warm-up and the stretch before you do a run. Mm. It's much easier to move into deeper states of um, meditation and altered states of consciousness if you kind of get your system ready to do that and the best way to do that is through breath work. Sometimes I will incorporate qigong if I feel movement is what I need, sometimes mantra. Uh, sometimes I will uh, just meditate with absolutely no agenda and just feel into the environment. It really depends on where my energy body's at, what activity going on in my field, whether I've got a question that I'm trying to seek guidance on, or whether I'm just doing maintenance, you know, um, but I've been doing it long enough that I've got a lot of different ones in my toolkit, and um and I just sort of, I just do what I'm drawn to do. So, the strict aspect of it is that I'm out there every day,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, unless it's raining, but I'm in practice every day. Um, and the rest just depends on what my system and my life is calling for.
3: Mm-hmm. And well,
0: it's definitely not, it's not a, it's not a task. It's, it's, it's a, such a beautiful um aspect of my life and uh and one that i just don't think i could do without like my morning
2: coffee
3: yeah you know
0: it's part of
2: me
3: Mm.
2: great thank you so much for sharing and let us um peek into your world your morning (laughs) routine Um, um danny thank you so much for uh joining for the conversation and for uh talking about you your book and you know and uh and so much more. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm really grateful that um, you accepted and, and you talked to uh, to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. Now, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and uh, love talking to you too. I miss you at our morning meditations. So yeah,
2: me too, me too. <laughs> let
0: me know when you're back in Singapore.
2: Definitely. <laughs> you can learn more about Danny on Instagram at dannyvidev on Facebook at Danny Vandeveldt, The Meditation Teacher, on Apple Podcast at The Modern Crone, and on Insight Timer at Danielle Vandeveldt. A website is www.daniellevandeveldt.com. You'll find the links to purchase a book Spirited, there as well. If you didn't have time to write everything down or if you have any doubts regarding the spelling, no worries, All the links are listed in the description section on our YouTube channel at Ujivati. Thank you to all our listeners and see you very soon for more on healing, self-love and your personal journey.
1: Thank you for listening and for taking time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, share this episode with others on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from Uchvati, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Uchvati. Thanks again and see you on the next
3: episode.